Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. think that you married Michael for his money. Did you marry Gordon for his money? I might have. I actually had um, retained a divorce attorney. Another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup and reality TV recaps for the week. We're talking Kardashians, the girls are back, and oh boy are they fighting, and welcome to Plathville. So I'm going to keep it a little bit short on the pop culture roundup, but it's also been kind of a light week, don't you think? Like, it's been a light week if you don't care about football or pop country. And that's all I'm going to say. For me, it's been a very light media week. For others, I think it's been real dense, but I'm going to talk about the things that I want to talk about because those two are not it. Okay. And that's just my truth. So our can I get a hell yeah for the week is going out to none other than Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Okay. Yes. Gypsy Rose who, listen, she had to kill her mother. Well, listen, well, You know what I mean? She did what she felt she had to do because she was being heavily abused by her mother who was trouting her around in uh, $3 wigs, going to Disney World and pretending like she was sick and had all these illnesses when she didn't. If you guys have not seen Mommy, Dead and Dearest, please run, don't walk. It's what a story, what a story. But it has been announced that Gypsy Rose, who was serving a 10 year sentence, Uh, Because she got a second degree murder conviction. She didn't do the killings herself, but she kind of ordered the killings on her boyfriend did it. He's going to be in prison for quite some time. However, Gypsy Rose is getting uh, released in December. It's a Christmas miracle, you guys. 
I actually think this is great news. Like, listen, sometimes life ain't easy and the edges aren't always smooth. Okay. Sometimes we have to do things that don't seem great, but listen, when you're in a pickle, you just got to fight your way out sometimes. And, and, and that's just what happens. So I'm actually very happy for Gypsy Rose. Shout out to her. And we'll just move on from one girl boss to another one. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. And I shouldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take that back. <laughs> it, you guys, Potomac, I talked a little bit about the trailer on Friday's episode, my Housewives episode. And um, what I didn't know at the time was that Mia, girl... I mean, listen, are we surprised at all that she announced that they have officially separated and divorced? No, this was clearly the plan from day one. Like, I know we know enough about housewives to I know a lady who's trying to exit out of her marriage when I see one. And last season, I feel like she made it very clear when it was dropping several hints about, you know, maybe Gordon doesn't have money like that. And, you know, with regard to that car rental from Mia's representative that like she's the one who put the money down because like he doesn't have it and the, th- she just said a couple things where I'm like mm, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down here girl okay and even if she wasn't dropping hints like did we think that Mia and Gordon were going to be forever there's only one institution on this uh franchise and it's not them it's three wick all right but anyway Mia somehow has a connection over at People Magazine and said, like all marriages ours had its ups and downs and at this time Gordon and I are separated but my family is my number one priority and I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to make sure that we are okay. We ask that you respect our privacy and give us the time and space to figure things out. It's like, well Mia, I don't really think people are checking for you like that outside of the show so you can have all the time and space you need girl, but Gordon has hit back on T uh, TMZ and I'm a little confusion and we'll get into why. So according to sources, Gordon was handed docs um, on Mia's behalf back in mid-August. That's when she filed and for a separation, not a divorce. Apparently he was allegedly completely blindsided by this. No clue it was coming. And that he's like really kind of pissed off because his birthday was recently and she wished him a happy birthday on Instagram. And like, uh, you know, just like, not really making it seem like they've been separated since August. Like it's not giving that right. So even it's just weird. She like posted pictures of them. It's just very strange. So apparently allegedly Gordon's like kind of pissed off by that. He hasn't signed the papers for the legal separation. And basically he feels like she put that statement out to people in order to pressure him into signing those papers. So what's interesting to me is that I was, you know, doing what I do, scrolling through TikTok, and across my For You page comes an interview, recent interview, like two, three days old, uh, from none other than Queen Candace. And she is telling these people, forgive me, I don't know who these ladies are, but that she was like, first she said she wasn't really aware that there were problems between Mia and Gordon. She never mentioned anything during filming that they've spoken and there was no indication that they were like headed towards a breakup. But she says, what's interesting is that uh, Gordon started texting both Chris and happy Eddie 
and then started calling them saying that he was the one who's leaving, that he moved out, and that this was all about a month ago. So if he's saying that she filed for legal separation in mid-August, this would be probably close to around that time, right? And that basically he was trying to play dirty and say that he wanted to give Chris and Happy Eddie that information so that Candace and Wendy could do with it what they wanted, right? But Candace says in this interview, like, not me, uh, Bennett, and I'm not in it. And, like, I'm not trying to get messy with other people's marriages. But that's very interesting to me. I mean, listen, I think if you've watched Potomac, listen, nobody, like, nobody that I've seen, and I've seen people defend, like, Jax Taylor and act like this man is anyway but I've never seen the people like going up for me and and Gordon's marriage right and to me it's always seemed like they were kind of two sides of the same pillow two slick willies who kind of got in cahoots with each other and had a couple kids and like you know they could be like the Boris and Natasha of the DMV <laughs> and the chiropractic, um, you know, field. And so to me, I was like, yeah, this is inevitable. You, you guys don't love each other. It serves a purpose. Your, your union serves a purpose. Now, probably didn't work out so well. Cause did they ever get their business back from Gordon's brother? I don't think so. Well, okay. Anyway, you want to go into Kim's corner, shall we? Real quick and painless this week, um, what has happened in Kim Zodiac Beer Can's life? Uh, what, what circle of hell are we in this week? <laughs> Four? Five? I don't know. Um, staying strong. Y'all, Kim Kim's feeling, well, Kim was filming The Surreal Life because we all know Baby Needs to Check, right? So she was filming The, the Surreal Life in Colombia, I believe, for two weeks. Um, so during that, like a few days before she's supposed to leave, she calls whoever her contact is at TMZ to let them know uh, that she had filed a motion with the courts to say that she doesn't, basically she wanted their divorce to be the proceedings to end because she and Croy were continuing to fuck even after he filed for divorce for the 5011th time. They still fucked after that. They basically were fucking until she left for the surreal life. Or shortly there before, right? So this is what she tried to use to the judge. This is the only thing that she used to try. I've never heard of somebody trying to get out of a divorce. Now that I think about it, I'm really like, like I've never heard of somebody taking legal action to prevent a divorce from proceeding. Bold. She's bold, baby. Bold baby Beerman. Anyway, she, um... <laughs> Croy issued a statement or, you know, during these proceedings, he said the following through his lawyer. The fact that he engaged in sexual relations with uh, Zolciak Beerman does not indicate a desire to reconcile. <laughs> After the second filing, Croy remained steadfast in his desire to leave Kim, leave the marital residence with the children and provide a home for them that's calm and stable, the opposite of their current environment. So what the dealio is, is that they were supposed to have a divorce proceeding Wednesday, you know, everybody was supposed to get on their Zoom and Kim was said that she couldn't because she was on a flight from the surreal life, Columbia coming back to, uh, down to Atlanta, right? So <laughs> the judge made it very clear 
multiple times. They were pretty annoyed with the fact that Kim was like trying to do this and that they in no way, shape or form were trying to, um, uh, that she had like permission to waive her appearance for that proceeding. Like she was absolutely supposed to be there. No bones about it. And they're pissed off. So they moved the proceeding from Wednesday to Friday. So she couldn't get out of it. I've seen reports as to what happened. I'm going to say this is all alleged only because I've only seen this coming from one source allegedly um uh they said that kim has to sleep in the basement and that croy gets the primary bedroom and um that there were some other things hold on okay so this is from the instagram account the good the bad and the fake six um the judge ruled that croy can sell the home like i said that she was ordered to sleep in the maid's quarters in the basement and that he gets a primary bedroom. They both, however, get access to the kitchen. Um, there was some claims about income that Croy makes about 4500 a month from his football pension and that Kim, from her, like, clickbait, face, like, fake, you know, articles, that she makes about $5,000 a month from, like, yeah, Facebook, right? Um, apparently there's been, the house is up for, uh, what do you call it? Foreclosure again, November 7th, if anybody's interested. Uh, basically they want Kim and Brielle to share a Range Rover. Corey gets the Escalade. Kim has borrowed about 2500 two, excuse me, <laughs> $250,000 from a friend since 2022. Yike. This lady is allegedly named Kathy. Let's see if we could dig up who that might be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's not great, y'all. It's not great. Croy did not, this is from, like, a different article that I read, that Croy didn't want to say how much equity that they had in the house because of nosy people like me um, reporting in the media, but that they basically have enough equity in that home if they sell it to both get their own residences and be like comfortable in that regard. So, I mean, it must be enough because, you know, the market's not great. I don't know if Corey knows that. I don't know if it matters in terms of selling the home. It might be a short sale, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's move on, you guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for this pop culture roundup. We're going to get into Welcome to Plathville. And when I was a little girl, when I was three years old, I lost all my hair um, for several years, like completely not even eyebrows or eyelashes. It was just, I was completely bald. The doctor said it was alopecia, but it was like a rare kind of alopecia because it just all fell out immediately and came back years later. All right, y'all, we're back in Cairo, Georgia, to talk Welcome to Plathville. Olivia's going back up to Cairo for her four-year anniversary with Ethan. On the way, she tells producers, because they drive by this church, how she and Ethan would go and, like, nick in the church parking lot, and how one time Barry caught them, because they would lie and say that they were going to go over to the car shop, but then go to the Baptist church and, you know, make kissy faces on each other. Barry almost caught them because he pulled up to the shop. Basically, Olivia says that they would do a lot of unsacred things in sacred places. 
Amen. Okay. So she gets to the shop and in a confessional, Ethan says that when he first got, this is like a double confessional that he's doing with Olivia. So when he first got to Cairo, he was like super involved in his shop and the cars. And he's like, you know, it was about like, let's say like three weeks before I really started to miss Olivia. And she just looks over at him like <laughs> three weeks, really? <laughs> so then but they're like on better terms, right? Like Olivia is not so triggered by him working on the car since they've figured out their other issues. So he's not using fixing the cars as an excuse to like not talk to her anymore, right? Ethan says that in terms of the family, obviously they're not on good terms. He wishes things were hunky-dory. Who's hunky-dory? But that doesn't mean that they won't be down the road. Back at the Plath family house, Lydia says that she's traveling a lot or like working. So she's not really at the house too much, but she's also the oldest sibling. Where is she going? Does anybody know? Where's Lydia going? <laughs> so they make her have a conversation with Isaac, even though they both admit that they don't really talk that much. But Lydia asks him if he's seen Ethan lately and how she went to the shop and got Jan Bradyed by her own brother. He basically, Ethan basically, she says, he saw me, but he didn't really see me. And then she tries to laugh that off, but I felt sad for her. But then she says in an interview that after they posted that joint statement, Ethan reached out to her and said that he wanted to talk and they had like kind of made plans to talk once he got back from his European vacation. But now he's back. She's like, not really getting the sense that he's trying to have a conversation at this point, but now it's out of my hands. Isaac says that he's on much better terms with Ethan, and but also that they keep it very surface. They keep it to the car. Isaac also posted that social media thing on Instagram. So he says he was like not trying to paint Ethan and Olivia as bad people, but somebody lies about somebody publicly, they also have the right to be corrected publicly, which would be fair if they lied. Then he says that Ethan he and Ethan are on good terms, right? But like, he doesn't feel like Ethan is the same person as he was before, but also he like kind of gets it. Cause he's stuck in the middle between his family and Olivia. He would stand up for his wife if they were in that situation, but it's just like, he's caught in between. So then Isaac asks Lydia how she's doing since the divorce. And he's like, she's like, Oh, you know, like better than expected as a child of divorce myself. <laughs> It's hard for me because my parents got divorced when I was like eight, eight or nine. I, you would think that I would maybe have more like empathy for people. But when I see like adult kids being very like emotional about their parents breaking up, I just kind of like nut up kid, you know, I had to deal with this when I was eight. So get over it. I just thought like, what are you going through? And I know, you don't have to tell me, that's very insensitive. I know it is, but that's my opinion. And that's what I said. And to be clear, I'm not saying that they're not allowed to be upset about it or feel some type of way. I'm just like, it just really seems to be rocking their world in a way that like, just doesn't quite add up to me. I don't know. Anyway, then Lydia starts laughing to the cameras about how she and Isaac are very close in age, but in terms of like maturity levels, and she's like, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, girl. Then they try to talk about, like, whether or not they're talking to anybody if they're dating. But neither of them want to admit that they are or aren't. So they just, like, kind of stare at each other. They're like, are you dating somebody? Well, are you? I don't want to talk about that. Okay, cool. Next. Barry and Micah are checking out the boat that Micah's been working on. 
And I'm finding it like harder and harder to understand why Mike is living in LA because he goes on this whole thing about how his dad didn't raise our son to be pussies. And so how he just feels very like some type of way about watching his calluses go away in Los Angeles and how he's been working on this boat and how like he just likes to do stuff. Right. So they are also talking about Ethan because, you know, Ethan's been in town. They've been like running into him at the general store or whatever. I don't know, but they haven't really spoken. Right. And then Micah says something that really disappointed me. He says that he's seen Ethan around, but they haven't really spoken. And at the time that he posted that social media thing in defense of their mama, didn't even ask Ethan what his side of the story is or what his truth was. And he's like, I think that may be why Ethan's upset. <laughs> you think? You think you just like not taking your brother's side? It's not even about taking his. I mean, it is, but like, you didn't even want to hear his side of the story. You're just like, yeah, I'm Team Kim. You think that might be why he's upset that they y'all blasted him on the internet and called him a liar without even asking him what his story was. But he's like, you know, I just don't really look at it like our mom stole from Ethan. Like they both benefited and it was definitely not stealing. So he decided at one point to start talking to Ethan about this, but they both got mad. So Micah left and he goes, you know, maybe I'm not the one to fix it. Maybe time will. So it sounds like you didn't hear his side. You didn't hear him out. You decided to approach him in a way that sounds like you were like chastising him instead of listening to him. And then y'all couldn't come to any sort of agreement. He got pissed off. And now you're going to be like, well, maybe I'm not the one to fix it. Were you trying? Because it sounds like you were just like basically stating Kim's case over and over without wanting to hear him. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> So I get why that probably went south. Then Micah and Barry start talking about relationships and Micah tells him like, oh, I talked to mom and stuff, but I didn't really get the answers that I wanted from her. And then Micah asks him like, if he's working on his fitness, pumping him all that blood up in his body for the ladies, right? But Barry says in a confessional, another very uh anti Cody Brown statement that basically his priority is working on the relationships with his daughters because he sees the value in that and he gets good feedback from them so he's just really not even thinking about another woman or a romantic relationship wow it's so weird how the decimation of your relationship with the wife only made you want to get a stronger relationship with your children Wow, that's so interesting. Anyway, then they start talking about having nice bodies and how they're pumping iron and whatever. Barry says, because Micah's like, you probably can lift more than me. And Barry's like, well, you know what they say, the nut didn't fall from the tree. I just really never need to hear Barry talking about a nut again. Okay, not even a peanut. Then we head over to a private airport hangar because... Isaac, who's 17, mind you, bought a plane with some grown-ass man that he used to work with. But they make this, in my opinion, big to-do to mention that Kim had gotten the loan for him. And had she not done that, that would have been impossible for him to get. Which, 
really feels to me like you got put on blast for screwing your one kid over financially and so now we're doing these grand gestures for another child and also I feel like I'm just gonna be a little judgmental here (laughs) you know like not like I have been before but I feel like because Kim talks about how like freeing and how great it is to do something good for their child and how um you know if she had been married, she would have had to talk to Barry about it. And that would have been a really tough sell. So it just feels so good to not have to ask to help your son fulfill his dreams and how wonderful that is. But I kind of feel like the kid's still 17 and a plane. I don't know. I just feel like those types of planes, those little, little putter around planes, those things will just fall if somebody's on the ground of sneezing. And so I just feel like that's a big purchase, a dangerous one. I know that uh, Isaac's super into aviation and flying and all of that, but I just feel like that should have been a conversation that Kim and Barry had together before you like pull out an actual loan for him. Uh, To me, I, I don't know if this is like your girl power moment, but whatever, girl. Kim tries to be funny and tells Isaac, like, hey, one weekend, why don't you grab a girl, I'll grab a guy, and we'll spend a weekend in the Keys. And Isaac's like, well, I'll do that with a girl. I'll definitely take a girl there. Not you, lady. After that, Lydia and Mariah go out to the backyard, and I don't know if anybody caught this shit, but it was so funny to me, because this encapsulates Lydia in a nutshell for me. So they're going to the backyard. They're going to have like a little fire, make some s'mores. Right. And as they're walking, Lydia is just like in her own world and she's looking up at the stars and it's like, Oh my God, it's so nice out. But Mariah goes, Lydia, are you serious? And she's still not paying attention to her sister. She's like, yeah, I am. But Mariah goes, no, Lydia, I have all of this. Like (laughs) tiny little Mariah is carrying a bag of logs, wood logs, and all of the fixins for the s'mores in both of her hands. Like, the girl's about to be tipped over by these four logs. Lydia's not paying any attention. So she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And what does Lydia grab to help her sister? The bag of marshmallows. Like that, like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) And she was dead ass about that, too. My goodness. Now that Mariah's walking with the Lord, she and Lydia are bonding. But again, I was feeling like <sighs> Lydia irks me, honestly. And she always has, which is why I make all these jokes about her being in the prayer closet. Because she comes off as very like, listen, I grew up in the church. I know what I'm looking at. Trust and believe all of my father's family, his side has like been involved in the church in some capacity. Multiple of them have or owned whatever you call it, either currently or in the past have had their own churches, been in very high up positions in the church. But I've also been in like uh, other churches and been very entrenched in those. I grew up as a church of God in Christ, but I also went to uh, Baptist uh, after we moved and uh, Methodist. I-, I chose to like, you know, walk, have my own little journey with the Lord in middle school and, and a little bit of in high school. So I know these types of people, these like well-meaning and it's kind of like adjacent to a hippie. 
these like evolved people who like they think they're like oh I don't owe anything to anybody and they're just like in their own little worlds and they end up being the most selfish self-serving people that you would ever imagine and they're just like they think that they're like so evolved and elevated and like because they've got this relationship but it's not giving what they think it's giving right Lydia to me comes off as very like selfish like keep like I keep receipts like she was really not cool to Mariah with that breakup with uh Max right like still maintaining a relationship with him after he cheated on her and like said some pretty fucked up things and Lydia was still like well I we can still be friends right like (laughs) she was really not chill about that whole situation so now that they're like bonding or whatever I still don't feel like Lydia hears what Mariah's saying to her because remember when they got when she got baptized Mariah had said like everything's gonna change after this moment and how like I was like oh girl I think that's like down a dangerous path of just thinking that in any regard whether it's religion or whatever a vitamin a good thought to think that your life is going to change in a second like it's just a setup for disappointment right so Mariah is telling her uh listen I'm like trying to process basically like she's using other words but what she's telling her is like I know that I'm not where I'm like trying to focus on the fact that like there's a place that I'm going to be that's much better than where I am but because like I'm not where I'm going to be but I'm where I should be in my life right now so like I'm just trying to be in the moment and learn what I can and not rush the process and not beat myself up because I'm not where I want to be and how she struggled with not feeling good enough a lot and how she's having to look in the mirror and tell herself you're beautiful you're worth it etc right so to me this sounds like somebody who's struggling but but trying right but but like still going through a lot and still like dealing with things so in this moment I personally would be maybe a little bit more supportive than Lydia who's like that's so great it makes my heart so happy to know that you're growing you're building relationship with the father yes you know it's gonna lead you places never you never thought possible which is like hopeful but I also feel like you're not hearing her really and then Lydia says in confessional that immediately after Mariah was baptized she could see a glow and a change within her and how you know, I can see her depression going away and like how learning to walk with him and, and let go of things holding her back. Like I, I really see a change in her and I'm like, I don't, I see somebody who I'm really trying to be sensitive here. Who's like, I can't do this on my own and I'm leaning on somebody, which is a lot of the reason why people cling to religion, follow religion. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all. But when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health. And we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. But to me, it's more like a crutch and not like, uh, like Lydia seems to operate from the space of like, I believe in God and therefore everything in my life is going to be happy. And I think that's, uh, it makes me upset. And so I think Lydia just like expects because you have a relationship with the father, as she calls him, um, that like every, I don't really want to get into this. I think you guys know what I'm saying. I'm trying to look out for Lydia and Mariah and not have them think that anything is going to be a fix-all. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, Lydia tells her or reminds Mariah about how, like, a year back, she had tried to tell her, you know, through that relationship that she was, like, incessantly texting that boy from across the country because she met him one time, like, seven years ago. (laughs) How, like, she was getting distracted by that relationship. But, like, you know she and father are great now but um you know mariah was kind of like yeah that's cool for you girl not for me and so mariah tells her like i was resisting because i needed to learn on my own and i needed to make my own choices and not just like follow things because that's what i was taught lydia anyway mariah tells her things are going to be a process and that watch out girl because i'm probably going to be the bitchiest christian that you know so then ethan and olivia go on their anniversary date really wasn't too much it's just a recycling of this conversation of have we figured things out where are we with regard to your family basically are we good are we good um i will say though they do talk about how they went to that restaurant for their first anniversary or something ethan had never been to a restaurant or had never seen a menu before so it took him 20 minutes to look through everything and then Ethan says in a confessional that it's easier for him if the menus have pictures but if it's just a font then it's harder for him (laughs) words not a font you mean words (laughs) you'll see what I mean about him not setting them up for the future anyway um so like I said like Olivia is like do you think that things with us improved when we in Europe and I feel like we've had this conversation set 50 11 times at this point like he's talking about how we were separated from people 
and we were doing our own thing and we were traveling and we were like didn't have a schedule and that really was like we were having all these conversations and like things were tough at times but like it was good and Olivia's like, yeah, I mean, I guess, but I also just think it's because, like, we left our phone off, and, and, you know, we didn't let anybody get in between us, and I feel like they're both saying the same thing, she just kind of wants to talk about how, like, I think she's trying to check in with him on a level of being like, we still hate your family, right? <laughs> or some level of that. But I will say for the first time, this, in this whole series, this season, it seems like Ethan has been the most excited about his relationship with Lydia Lydia um <laughs> Olivia um because usually he just seems very tormented by everybody and like really ready to cut and run and hop in a 37 Plymouth or whatever he has and and never see anybody again and he always just seemed to be like sort of begrudgingly being on Olivia's side because they're married but now he seems like actually like he wants to hang out with her and like he says her future looks bright and then he like Tries to make some joke about putting a baby in her. We don't need to get into that. Back in Tampa, Mariah and Barry go to a bar. Like, they're dressed like they're about to go to homecoming. They're going to a kombucha bar, to be clear. Like, this is not... You know what I mean? Barry's got his blazer on. He's It's buttoned. He's got a button down. He tells us that this is like a heavenly adventure for him. Because he's always looking for a good brew. Because the more authentic the brew, the better the taste. And how uh, a good brew of kombucha gives him a dopamine rush. What's going on with this man? <laughs> What's happening? He feels a rush. Addicted to your touch. Mariah says that they've gotten much closer in the past few months. So she tells him, I guess she had, he had come down to Tampa to... The following day she's going to get that big ass rebel tattoo down her forearm. So they're talking about that. But... This gets into, like, a pretty shocking revelation for me. I did not know this, but Mariah tells Barry that she was, like, lately thinking about a part of her life that she had kind of completely rejected and almost forgot about. Barry's like, well, why? And she's like, well, because I was, you know, embarrassed and I never really spoke about it and I just kind of wanted to completely forget what happened. So Mariah tells us that she had alopecia when she was three, she just lost all of her hair, no eyebrows, no lashes. And the doctor said that what she had was a rare form of alopecia where all her hair just fell out suddenly and then it came back completely. And I don't know anything about alopecia. I didn't know that was like a thing. But she was made fun of at church, by the kids at the church, even by her siblings and how obviously that started to affect her self-esteem, her self-image. And so Mariah tells Barry... The reason why she never talked about it was because once she got her hair back, she was like, I'm moving on and told everybody in the family, don't talk about it. Don't show any pictures. Don't tell anybody like it's over. So Mariah says she just like didn't want anybody to treat her differently. And I thought it was so interesting how Barry was like checking in and being like, but I didn't do that. Right. Like, and when she says, yeah, I mean, you and mom were like the only people who actually told me I was beautiful. And he's like, you remember that, right? Like, you remember that she's like well yeah like she just said it so i think she does remember now listen i feel like this might be like other than me being creeped out by his workout regimen that i might be standing at barry a little bit more than i would normally i do feel like part of his like nice guy stuff is an act but i also feel like the kids are benefiting from it so 
sometimes you just got to take it, you know. But basically, he tells Mariah, like, I'm sorry that the kids were being cruel to you. And I'm sorry that they said what they did. And Mariah says it really affected her. And she would call herself ugly and tell herself that nobody would ever love her. But if she wore the right dress and the right hat and kind of like hid her situation, then people would be nice to her or what she thought was like treating her normally and how it's just like something that she's carried on to her adult life and how she's like, you know, if I'm feeling bad, I'll change my outfit and it'll like kind of change my life. Right. So then she tells Barry that she realized that she had this perception of her like all her life and how now she's like looking at old pictures of herself and saying you're beautiful and yeah, I mean, Barry even talks about how helpless he and Kim were. There was nothing that they could do. Because uh, Mariah does say, you know, there were times where I was mad at you because you were my parents. And I felt like you guys could fix it. But there was really nothing you could do. And Barry talks about how, like, her situation was real bad. Like, a could not get worse case of what she had. And how there really was no fix other than time. And to just kind of, like, let the body reset itself and, like, self-correct. So, that's really sad. I, you know, she looks so cute and it just makes me so sad that like anybody would have made her feel less than that because she was adorable. Like we see pictures of her and it's just like, oh, bless her. And not even in like the sad way. Like it, she really looked cute, like a really cute kid. So I'm glad that she's working on that. I'm finding myself like partly like 30% frustrated by her decisions but also, I'm now understanding a lot more of, like, why we are where we are with Mariah. So, I'm having a lot of empathy for her. So, let me know how you guys feel. All right. Let's move on to Kardashians. You cannot stand someone else being the center of attention. You came to my wedding. You couldn't be happy. You complained from the second you got there till the second you left. That's what it's about. Forget about you couldn't be happy. You couldn't be happy for me. You couldn't be happy that I was the center of attention and you weren't. What you is it that you feel you so low of me? If you'd like to. No, I want you to dig deep and figure out why you why you hate me so much and why you're so angry with me because all of this never happened i was so happy for you i was so why would i not i not be happy for you i felt at my wedding like you weren't happy for me because so you have you wanna, a serious you vendetta on, you just are a different you you hate us you you're a different person we all talk about it i don't it. need you guys anymore all i don't of, need to be a part of it all of your friends call us complaining, whether you think they're the ones going to you, they're all coming to us on the side saying the opposite to us. So we're all confused and we're on a group chat that's actually labeled not Courtney. So we know and have to funnel what your friends are saying to us and have to figure out why you're such a different Season person. four of Kardashians is back. Y'all know that every time Kim and Courtney get to blows, my heart grows three sizes. So let's get into what happened. Let's get into it now, shall we? We start off the episode kind of like Trixie, right? Like, it's a flash forward a, a little bit. Kim and Courtney are sitting next to each other in the interview couch, and a producer asks, do you think people are going to be surprised to see you two here? And neither of them say anything until Kim just mumbles, oh, crickets. Then we see everybody, mostly everybody, on a PJ taking shots as they head to Cabo, right? Corey, in one of what we find out as many of his silk two-piece sets turns around 
and says, I'm so happy to be with all five of you, minus my sweet little Courtney. And then Kim says, look, the real problem is, and I'll be real with you guys, last season was really rough. And then we were over it. Y'all saw we had fun. We did that little Christmas album. We talked it out. We were fine. And then we watch the edits of our show and I start hearing what's said about me and she's hearing what I'm saying about her. And then we just get mad all over again. It just like brings up a lot of feelings. So then Courtney says, you know, I think last season was really hard, but what's harder than that is like harder than living in real time is watching it back in the edit. It's not like a natural way of living. So my whole family is going on a trip to Cabo, but three days before the trip, Kim and I have a heated phone call. So we see Kim sitting on a couch. She's calling Courtney and Kim tells her that, Hey, part of my Dolce contract is that I have to go to Milan. We're having a dinner. I'm going to be launching this campaign that I shot. I know you probably don't want to go, but I want to tell you that you're always invited. And so they're just like, this is very thin ice already, right? But Courtney's like, thank you. I'm a little dolce'd out, so I probably won't come, but I'm always supporting you and what you're doing. I just don't think it's cool the way that things happen. Like, it's not about that. It's about the deeper thing that we can talk about. And so Kim goes, I understand. Like, I got worked up watching the episode in the cut, so I can only imagine how you feel. Like, I see both sides. You think things, so you're getting riled up, and I think things, so I'm getting riled up. Courtney goes, I'm actually not getting riled up. I just think it makes me not want to be around. And so Kim goes, that's totally your choice and decision. I just think that maybe we should have a conversation about it because I got worked up and I was like, wait, nothing happened at the wedding. It wasn't even a conversation at the wedding, you know? So one of the many points of contention between Chloe and, nope, Courtney and Kim last season was that Courtney kept like throwing, this must have been the episode where Courtney had told her that, all her friends were telling her all throughout the wedding that Kim was so miserable and she was talking shit and she was like not happy. And Kim was saying that that never happened. This was never a point of conversation at all. So Courtney says, I think it was that you saw the wedding. Like, I think it was what you saw at the wedding because nobody had any interest before that. So Kim asked her, what do you mean? And Courtney says, I think you saw this thing that was mine and it wasn't yours and you wanted it. And you took it and you made it bigger. Meaning her Dolce Vita lifestyle that she had been living, that Kim uh, did her, her fashion show with Dolce & Gabbana over. She feels like she stole her looks and the whole vibe of the wedding and like turned it into this whole circus for herself. So Kim says, no, I think that's where you're wrong. Like if anything, I was like, I don't like that stuff. Like I told Chloe I didn't like her look. I don't like this. I don't like that. Which is one kind of wild because I don't like Dolce & Gabbana for moral reasons, but I think in my memory, Chloe looked better than anybody <laughs> that whole wedding, including Courtney. There was one look where she she's wearing this like gold crown and she has like a black dress. And that was honestly one of her better looks. And I think there's one she was just like black and white roses. I don't know. She Her looks are really great, but it is like not helping. This is so sister coded where you're She's trying to prove her point by being like, no, I wasn't trying to jock your whole shit because I thought it was ugly and it's not in my taste, which is good taste compared to your rocker lifestyle. <laughs> so Courtney tells her, you're missing the point. Becomes like, but isn't the point 
the clothes because I steered away from your stuff. And honestly, it's not even that original. Like everybody's been doing the 90s. It's not a new concept. So what I'm trying to say is there are only so many picks, looks that I could pick from. So Courtney's like, you're talking about the bullshit details because it's all that your egotistical, selfish mind can think about. You cannot stand someone else being the center of attention. You came to my wedding. You couldn't be happy. You complained from the second you got there until the second you left. That's what it's about. Forget about you couldn't be happy. You couldn't be happy for me. You couldn't be happy that I was the center of attention and you weren't. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so Kim's like, is that what you think? You really think that low of me? Courtney's like, you can dig deep if you want to. And Kim goes, no, I want you to dig deep and you need to figure out why you hate me so much and why you're so angry with me because all this never happened. I was really happy for you. So Courtney's like, no, you weren't. And Kim goes, well, why wouldn't I be? And Courtney says, I felt like at my wedding, you weren't happy for me. So Kim goes, you hate us. You're a different person. We all talk about it. And Courtney's like, because I don't need you guys anymore. I don't need to be a part of it. So Kim says, all of your friends call us complaining. And whether you think they're the ones coming to you, they're actually all coming to us on the side, saying the opposite to us. So we're all confused and we're on a group chat that's actually called Not Courtney. So we know and we have to funnel what your friends are saying to us. And we have to figure out why you're such a different person. <laughs> so Courtney says, and you think I want to be part of that? Like, absolutely not. So Kim goes, but they're your friends. These are the ones that you speak to on a daily basis, Simon. <laughs> but you take it all out on me. And I'm trying the best I can to reconcile and figure it all out and call you all the time. The court says, no, it's about you. You're a narcissist. Anything you do, it's about you and how it looks to the world about you. So you just want to clear your facts. Just take out my whole side of the fucking episode, actually. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks of me. And this is like, <laughs> I know part of it is that we could say break the fourth wall and be like oh we're watching the edits and it's pissing us off which i'm sure is what's happening but also people were generally anti-courtney in this whole rollout uh, this whole fight from last season so i'm wondering like are they also are the episodes airing like i'm trying to figure out what What's the turnaround time from them watching the edits to it actually airing on Hulu? Because I'm wondering if Courtney, part of the reason why she's bad is, is people are largely team cam on this. The other side to that is after the episode aired, Courtney posted a screenshot from a group chat that she has with Simon Huck, Ali Rizzo, one of her best friends, and Phil, who is Simon's husband. Um, and Allie starts by saying, should I soft launch the yes, Courtney group chat? And Simon goes, OMG, please. These trolls keep DMing me, accusing me of being the, on the other chat. And Allie says, I'm like, if they only knew our anxiety about meaningless, endless chit chat. Um, and then she goes, I mean, over a martini will be debrief, but dang for a group chat that didn't exist, I'm fidgeting. And so Simon responds, Kim threw us all under the bus when there was not one actual friend on the chat and then there was another post where somebody asked oh are those the friends on the not group me court not courtney group chat um and she responded no the members of that chat are namely kim chloe kendall and kylie case closed now back to the group chat that courtney had 
how would they know who's on the group chat if they weren't on it? You know, like, why is, if Simon's saying, oh, she threw us all, all under the bus when no actual friends were on that chat, how did you find out who's on the chat, though? You know, like, how do you guys have this information? I guess that's my question. <laughs> and then they're also saying two different things, because Allie's saying that it didn't exist at all, and then Simon's saying that none of the friends are on it. So, again, I just have a lot of questions. I've been thinking that, you know, I feel like Courtney is probably the one of them who has the most hanger on friends as opposed to real relationships. But I also think that those people in her circle are smart enough to not out themselves. On the other hand, I do feel like we're not in the era anymore where you can be like, everybody's been talking about you behind your back. And like, that's a comment that eats because Courtney is right. She could just throw it back in their face and be like, that's like real loser behavior that y'all are all talking about me behind your back. Actually, it's not like making the point that you're thinking it's making. That being said, people having a group chat, people in Courtney's universe or the Kardashian universe, having a group chat about how Courtney's changed would not be surprising at all because she has like we see it girl. <laughs> like it's, it's not, um, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised about that. So Kim asked Courtney, are you happy? And Courtney's like, yeah, not when I'm on the phone with you. I was five minutes ago. So Kim goes, we're all concerned. We all think that you're actually not really happy. So Courtney says, so you're telling me that I'm unhappy and miserable and that you have a side chat called not Courtney, but you're telling me that you're happy for me. And Kim goes, but I only said that after you said that I'm not happy for you. <laughs> To which Courtney goes, exactly. So that confirms it. I have a happy life and that happiness comes from when I get the fuck away from you guys, specifically you. So Kim says, I'm concerned, but I won't be because I'm a narcissist. So I'm only going to think about myself and be concerned about myself. So Kim asks, what can I do to make you feel better? Courtney goes, uh, certainly not having side chats specifically with me as the topic like who the fuck has time maybe you guys need to go and think about why you're so unhappy since you have time for that to sit and have side chats specifically to talk about me so kim goes well, we all get to express concern we have side chats about everybody that's just what you do courtney goes then get a fucking life i don't have side chats about anybody which like i'm sure you don't because you're stuck in that man's mouth <laughs> Which, like, okay, I'm going to get to my thoughts about Courtney in a second. So Kim says, and I think this is where she lost a lot of people, well, your kids have even come to me with the problems that they have and how you are. So Courtney goes, is that helpful? You're adding this into a fight, and now it's you, my friends, and my kids against me. Like, you're just a fucking witch, and I hate you. Kim goes, okay. <laughs> and then you can hear the FaceTime go down. Uh, so... Then they sit together on a couch and a producer's like, you don't need to get into details, but like, if you could just tell us what triggered you to have this conversation happen. And Courtney says, I think it's just so many thoughts that come af up after watching the edits. And I think that I just felt like in the call that Kim was using any weapon that she could to find to like hurt me, just weaponizing everyone against me. And I think we both got to a place that we weren't proud of. So then Courtney says in her own confessional, that she thinks that the whole conversation on the phone was really hurtful and she felt reminded of this characteristic that has been in the family for many years where they say mean things to hurt each other and it's how she how hard she works in therapy to change that but when she gets reminded of those types of things it's like 
really hurtful, like, why would my family treat me that way? And I just want to protect my energy and be around positivity and good vibes. And Palm Springs with my husband is where it's at. Now, here's where I have to, like, we have to, like, look back at the whole story because y'all know Kim and Kyle and Kathy Hilton, these, like, long and contentious sister relationships that it's you're fighting about something currently but you're also fighting about something from 25 years ago and 10 years ago and eight years ago and you know all like it's so layered and so as somebody who has like a phd in kardashian what courtney i think where she messes up is that she was the queen bee of being mean to people and there was probably a reason for that that we could like dig deeper on but we have a history of on that show of her being nasty, dismissive, cold, uh, you know, like whatever to everybody in the family and just like laughing about it and and having no problem behaving that way. And then suddenly she makes a switch and that would be great if she could own the fact that she actively behaved and participated and was possibly even the ringleader many times in this like nasty behavior. And so she like has extracted herself from the situation and is like well i don't understand why you guys haven't changed because i have but like you don't want to own the fact that like you were part of it and i honestly think like the ringleader of it and now people are just acting the way they've always been acting and you're like well i'm sick of this it's great if you would change but you can't really evolve unless you acknowledge that you were so nasty and so rude to people a lot of the time and i'm not gonna sit here and act like these people take you there you put them on the bus okay like you were toot tooting and beep beeping on people all the time and then courtney also has a bad habit of being like i feel this way what i'm doing is best and so she makes other people feel like what they're doing is disgusting and gross because it's not how she does it like when she was all on this gluten-free kick after she had mason and penelope and she was like telling Kim how gross she was for giving her children uh, like Skittles or whatever. And it's like, bitch, I don't want to hear this because eight months, three days before you got pregnant with Mason, you were sitting down eating Chipotle and all the processed foods with me too. Okay. But now I'm a sick person. And like, people just don't like to hear that. Like her whole attitude is just like very cold and very like off putting. And now she's like in this love bubble. And now it's like, again, like you've attracted from your, yourself in the situation that you probably mostly started a dynamic that you started and now you're sitting in condemnation and judgment of people behaving in ways that you've also behaved in hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And to end this, like quiet as is kept, y'all know I've been saying it's very much giving that uh, Courtney and Scott's kids like are not super into this relationship and it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, did we, did I need confirmation of that? Yes, because I'm a sick person and I want to be right. However, probably shouldn't have said that on television. Probably not going to help you. I don't really care so much about Courtney in this situation. More about the kids. Like, you know, like, I don't know if, you know, because Penelope and Mason probably have confided in their aunt about things and they probably didn't, you know, want that on television. You know what I mean? Back to the family going to Cabo. Fortunately, they're not staying at Joe Francis's house this time. They're staying at James Purse. He's a designer. Um, on the drive there, Kendall asks anybody if they want a beer, like a Corona. And both Kim and Court, uh, Chloe say that they've never had beer. Although Chloe does admit later that she had a red stripe in Jamaica before. Y'all have never had beer? I, I looked up Kim Kardashian beer and just look up images. I mean, I granted, you can't see her drinking them, but... She's definitely been in the presence of beer several times before. So feels like cap, but whatever. Um, the house guide, once they get to the house, the house guide tells them that there's like, it's whale season. It's like mating season for whales at this point. So you'd probably see them in the ocean and everybody's so excited except for Chloe. Like they're at lunch. She's like folding inside of herself. Like, what do you mean? Why do they have to be here? Wait, they just come out of the water. They come close to the shore. Why do they do that? Why, why are they mating? <laughs> So Chloe then goes and she finds binoculars and they're looking out at the ocean and she's like trying to spot these whales, right? She and Kim are having such opposite reactions. Like they're both screaming, but Kim's excited because they see one tail go out of the water and Kim's like, oh my God, that's so cool. She's like ready to get Kendall and Kylie. Chloe's screaming, but she's like in a corner, practically knocking over a house plant, trying to hide from the whale that's in the ocean. So then she goes, in a confessional, did you guys hear about the couple off the coast of California and it swallowed them and then it just spit it back out because it was an accident? <laughs> Chloe, who told you that? Did the whale say, my bad, y'all. Let me put y'all back on the shore. What do you mean? <laughs> like in her mind, this couple was just chilling in like Laguna Beach or whatever. And the whale's just like cruising in the ocean mouth open and was oh what's that humans oh no 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 my bad no girl that did not happen <laughs> and then she says the best thing of all which is that <laughs> true true knows that her mommy is so afraid of whales that she will troll her by drawing photos of whales to scare her and that we see the pictures pop up where she was chloe <laughs> underneath the whale <laughs> oh my god it's so funny and chloe goes yeah she thinks it's so funny and then she mumbles everyone turns into an asshole one day <laughs> speaking of thompson's they sit down for the dinner and start talking about true's daddy and how because last uh season it ended with his mother's unfortunate passing, but his house in California had some roof damage at the same time. So after they came back from Toronto, after the funeral, he and his brother came to live at Chloe's house for a couple weeks. Supposed to be two weeks. 
he's been there now three weeks and she's like, you know, we're not supposed to be together. Like whatever. Kim explains to us in a confessional that Chloe's now so sensitive about anybody suggesting that she and Tristan might be together. She'll bring it up at times that have nothing to do with Tristan, a relationship, her, anything like you could talk about how you saw a random cute couple and she'd be like, well, I'm not a couple of Tristan. Oh, this is a nice fork. Well, don't anybody think that I'd lift a fork for that man. We're not dating. <laughs> like real sensitive stuff, right? So Chloe does say at the dinner, I need everybody to know that I'm single. So Cam, of course, is like, oh, let's take some pictures of bikinis tomorrow. We'll do it. No problem. She's got the caption ready. Don't tell me you're single without telling me you're single. Like she's been planning this in her mind for months now. At that point, um, Kylie starts talking about titties and it's revealed that Chloe's other fear is the word titties. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like the word tits. And then they all try to like go around and talk about what the word for breasts they prefer would be. And I think they like land on breasts, um, boobs, whatever. Kylie's very pro titty. <laughs> very titty. Kendall's a booby girl. Just, and they say that that's probably because Kendall has boobies and Kylie's got the tits. So anyway, um, then this gets into generational because Kylie says, well, maybe tits is a, a millennial thing. But they're like, girl, you're not a millennial. You're Gen Z. But then they figure out that they are millennial. And like Kim is the very first year. Kylie is the last. And Kim gets maybe more excited about it than she should be. And she's like, I honestly thought that I was over there with Courtney. But I'm like really happy. Like, it's so cool that we're on the same generation. It's cool and embarrassing. Like, it's embarrassing that it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's like, at least you know, girl. To be honest, there's a bit of a lull for me of Chris talking about how she wants to start prioritizing herself and not doing everything for everybody and, like, whatever. And spreading herself too thin is, like, not healthy. And Chloe says that she's going to start shedding. She keeps calling it shedding and, like, upgrading. and But she's also not going to be doing that until 2024. But how she's like, I cannot wait to be 40. I'm actually pissed that I'm only going to be 39 every day of my 30s you know except for the kids I don't no, make no mistakes love my kids but aside from that it's basically been agony then they have a guacamole making contest it's Kendall and Kylie versus Kim and Chloe does anybody care no Kendall and Chloe get into a chip fight just pouring chips on each other um Kendall does do a rant about the cucumber and how people should stop coming from her because uh she did cut the cucumber. She did complete the task. And also, she doesn't give a shit, okay? So if that's the only thing that you could say about Kendall, then keep saying it. And you know what? She's probably right about that because there are, like, 15 other more embarrassing things that Kendall's done in her life than this one. So she probably should just be like, yeah, keep talking about that. It's not like the Pepsi commercial, is it? So do you think that Travis and Kendall have ever talked about Firefest and how she got sued for promoting it and he... And Blink-182 were supposed to perform. And that's how we knew that things had started being in trouble. Because they canceled first. Do you think they ever talk about that? They really should. Anyway, Chris doesn't want to uh, tell anybody who's the winner. But everybody also believes that it was uh, Kim and Chloe, if, if you care. Um, and then Chris tries to speak Spanish. And she borders on being offensive. So they have to stop her. Then they have dinner. <laughs> Kendall and Kylie leave to, like, go pack or whatever. But then, so it's, like, Chloe, Kim, Chris, and Corey sitting down there. And Chloe tells Chris, Courtney and Kim are still going at it. And then she's like, you know, I feel bad that Courtney feels the way she does. So Kim explains her side 
with Courtney, but she's like, you know, when somebody is watching an edit, we don't know when that's happening. So Courtney starts texting them, blasting them like, oh, at this minute, Kim, you said this, fuck you. Fuck you, Chloe. You said this at this minute. And then they're like, oh, she must be watching one of these episodes. So Courtney's just sending these rage texts like Katie Maloney, and they're having to put the pieces together, right? Um, so basically, Courtney says, sometimes I don't feel understood. And I think it gets played out in an unnatural way through the show and like with watching edits and the interview. And it just brings people, brings things up where like normally we would have gotten in this fight and we would have just moved on with our lives. At that point, Chris talks about how big of a Yellowstone fan she is. And Courtney, not Courtney, Corey mentions how, oh, you know, if it wasn't for your mom, I'd be a Yellowstone star. And Chris says that they offered Corey a role on Yellowstone, which like, girl, I would love to see. Not that I watch a show, but I would be tuned in so quickly to watch Corey looking like Will Smith in the Wild Wild West. Like, I would love that. Put some chaps on those thighs. I got eyes on it. I'm sad. Okay. Anyway, Chris said that she made him turn down the role because she didn't want to watch him in a romantic relationship. But Chloe's like, well, what if you, what if they offered you a role to kiss uh, Kevin Costner? She's like, oh yeah, I would have taken that for sure. And then it seems like Chris got t- too high because uh, Chloe's been walking around in the 710 Labs bag during their vacation. And if y'all don't know what that is, just Google it. So I think maybe Chloe got Chris high. We'll put it that way. Um, so she starts giggling real bad real bad and then they were like oh did you take a gummy without us realizing and, it, and then she has to be carted away for to go to bed <laughs> time for her bedtime the next day chris notices Corey and kendall are talking in the pool and chris is like damn i think hell froze over because they haven't spoken like she and kim are trying to think when was the last time they spoke and kim's like i don't think they've spoken since keeping up with the kardashians now y'all run Run, don't walk to see this on-camera conversation that Corey tells Kendall that she is a rude, nasty person. (laughs) And she's always been rude and people don't like her. He's going off on her in a dance studio. And Kendall's like, gooped. It is so funny because they had gone to Palm Springs uh, for a vacation with the family. And they had gone out to dinner and gotten drunk. And then everybody split up. They were supposed to go back home in two cars, right? Corey was in a car with Kendall and Kylie and it was like Kim, like the sisters in the other car. <clears throat> Maybe Chris is in the car with the, the daughters and the older daughters. And so they're on the phone. I don't know. Maybe they had uh, walkie talkies in the car because of security or something like that. Or maybe somebody was on the phone with Kendall. But basically, we don't know what happens in that car. But Kendall and Kylie got into a fight that probably turned physical. Uh, Corey had to intervene, but then ended up siding with Kylie in the end of it. And, and so they, their relationship has like not been great since then. She's so, like, you know, we, we talked it out. But, like, we just never got back to things. We were just sort of, like, you know, at base camp one. But there they are sitting at the pool having 818, uh, bonding with each other. Kendall's like, you know, this is the great thing about family vacations is that you can, you know, our relationship can move onward and upward. So (laughs) that's it. They head back to uh, Calabasas after that. And, well, I guess we'll see what happens with Courtney, Kardashian, Barker and the gang 
thank you guys so much for listening thank you for speaking